Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Uh, well, it's a privilege to have um, Pastor Michael DeSanike with us as well. We've heard from, from one great guy, and uh, Pastor Michael has um, also been a friend of this church for many, many years. Um, uh, he's, for those that don't know him, he's served in pastoral ministry for over 45 years in the nation uh, of uh, Sri Lanka. He's uh, served as the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God in Sri Lanka for over 18 years, uh, overseeing over 500 churches in that nation. He's also uh, serves as the director of Southern Asia Missions, uh, and he's on the executive council member for the World Assemblies of God Fellowship, um, and serves uh, in a number of missions organisations around the world. He's a, just a great man of God, with a beautiful heart, a beautiful spirit, a humble man of God, but a, who, a man who loves the Lord. And I know that God is going to speak to us this morning uh, through his servant. So would you give him uh, a big warm welcome as he comes to minister the word today? Thank you, Pastor Joe. Thank you for welcoming me. Uh, I really feel nervous this morning <laughs> uh, because I feel uh, the Holy Spirit is about to do something. And uh, if you are in control, you don't have to be nervous, right? Is that right? Um, but every time I try to speak, uh, I say, Lord, I, I need you because there's so much I can tell this morning, but I believe what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And so thank you, Joe, uh, for inviting me to come. I was to come last year, but uh, it took nine months to get a visa for, for Australia. So I got it eventually in March this year. So uh, my wife sent greetings to you. Uh, some of you know her, Debbie. Uh, we have two daughters and five grandkids. And uh, we have uh, transitioned in the last three years to a more missional role uh, from pastoring and from other leadership roles. So um, I know he gave introduction about me. I always say, if you really want to know who I am, just ask my wife, okay? <laughs> uh, if your wife really doesn't know who you are, <laughs> then you are nobody, right? <laughs> You have been pretending you are a Hollywood star, you know, <laughs> acting and performing, but not. Uh, so I really want to encourage uh, all those who are married. You know, you owe gratitude to your wife for what you do. They may not get the same limelight, publicity, but in, uh, I, I would say without, if not for my wife, you know, I always say my wife is the Holy Spirit at home. <laughs> She listens to the Holy Spirit much better than me. I, I only listen in church, right? About to preach and I want to hear what the Holy Spirit wants. But uh, in your daily living, uh, meeting the Holy Spirit uh, uh, and you as partners together, husband and wife, can, uh, can do so much. I used to uh, really want to pray a lot. And I used to get up early morning and pray, and then my wife would pray later. 
But you know, one day God said, uh, if both of you pray together 10 minutes, that's enough them praying for two hours alone. You know, just 10 minutes together. Because there's power in agreement. And we are one in spirit. And uh, I know it's difficult when you have children to find that 10 minutes, but I want to encourage you. And, and uh, I always say in the first 10 years of my marriage, I was right and my wife was wrong, right? I won every argument. I thought only God speaks to me. Uh, they said, two shall become one. I thought I was the one. And, <laughs> and, uh, and so I really did not allow what the Holy Spirit was doing through her life. I thought, Pastor, I am the leader. I am the one who leads everything. Uh, but I want to thank God that uh, God has given us, give me a wonderful wife, blessed us, and, uh, and uh, she has been in this church several times and ministered as well. Um, this morning, uh, this, yeah, this, this afternoon morning, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I really believe that um, I've been struggling a lot about this conference, uh, about sharing what God wants to. When you get, when you get a theme, we are here, right? That's, what, that's the theme. We, again, here, sorry? Meet me here. Meet me here. And uh, uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, the Holy Spirit has been sort of, you know, he's a comforter, but he makes us uncomfortable, right? You know what I mean? And uh, I was preaching last weekend in a big church, and, and the Lord said, before you preach, you give uh, the salvation message and pray for salvation. i never done that. I thought, I thought Holy Spirit only works at the end of the sermon. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> every eye closed, every head bowed, you know. But as I got up to speak, the Holy Spirit said, no, you, 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 you say the sinner's prayer now. There are two people in this house. There are about 1,000 people in the church who need to accept Jesus. And so I just obeyed, and I said, before I speak, I want Sunday morning service. So it was like more communion. But I said, the Holy Spirit wants to know that there are people here who need to accept Jesus. And... Uh, so uh, I gave the short message of salvation, led in a sinner's prayer. At the end of the meeting at the altar call, there was a young girl crying. And then later on, they told me, do you remember that girl in that blue dress? She had been away from God for five years. And uh, she went to university, and she turned her back on God. And, and uh, so heaven rejoices over one sinner. Heaven doesn't rejoice when you worship, actually. The big crowd, you think that's the time heaven might be get really impressed by the worship in the church. But it says, heaven rejoices only when there's one sinner who repents. Amen. So don't lose the importance of that one person. And so when I came here, the Holy Spirit said again, turn things around. Preach what you want to preach last first, right? <laughs> the end message to be at the beginning. So I was struggling a lot with that. And, and when this brother came up and shared from the story of Elijah, the Lord confirmed to me. So this morning I want to read this. And thank you. I want to thank you for being sensitive. Just one scripture from the book of Second uh, Kings chapter, sorry, First Kings chapter 18. And... Uh, uh, verse 8, 
uh, a simple verse where it says, Go tell your master Elijah is here. Go tell your master Elijah is here. What I really want to share in this conference is that the end result of meeting with God is that when we meet with him here in this weekend, I believe you're going to stand in a place where your presence does really matter. You're going to stand before the kings and the rulers, the powers of darkness, the spirit of Jezebel, King Ahab, the nation of Israel that has backslidden, turned their back to God. Very much similar to a world that we live right now, isn't it? I was preaching in Portland. They call him one of the progressive cities in U.S. And uh, it's crazy. The whole, whole city, thousands of homeless people, Three years ago, they brought a resolution, defund the police. They said, we don't need law. We don't need regulation. And today, that city is in anarchy. And they think that's a success. <laughs> Thousands of people, they can park anywhere on the street, their car, and then put a tent and sleep there and say, this is our home. Front, right in front of your house. Any occupy, any vacant plot. <laughs> There are thousands, because no police. I saw in one corner there was a convertible. I think it's a Mercedes convertible. A homeless person <laughs> put a tent around it. And, and they said they're all stolen vehicles, no police. Police don't, uh, even if they arrest them, the, the DA, district attorney, doesn't want to file cases for any theft, robbery, less than $10,000. <laughs> so most of them go and steal up to $9,000. <laughs> the world has gone crazy, but God is saying, tell the master of this world, Elijah is here. Because we have met the Lord here this morning. Our presence does matter. I do not know when it comes to you standing and saying, I am here. For many years in my life, I, I had a question about me being here. You know, this theme is about here, me, and meeting. This morning I want to speak, speak about here, right now. I always thought I always lived in the wrong time of, <laughs> wrong time of history. I always wished I lived in the time in the past. One of the wishes I had was when I read the Bible, I wish I lived in the time of Jesus. The book of Acts, the revival, time of John Wesley, you know, the great awakenings. You know, but one day I read in the Bible where Jesus turned to his disciples and said, he said, blessed are your eyes what you see now. He said, because the prophets and the kings in the Old Testament, they desired to see just one day of what's happening now. Amen. But I want to say this morning that blessed are your eyes. You are here right now in this 21st century, in 2023. Not only the prophets, what the prophets and, 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 and the... And the 
And the Old Testament kings desired, even the disciples, the apostles desired to see. We are seeing in our time. Amen. We are here. You are here right now. And I wonder what excuse do you give for being yourself in this age and this time. Standing before God and standing before your world of chaos. Are you a part of, uh, are you a victim of what's happening around you? Are, you? are you saying, I am here? Tell Ahab, tell your master, Elijah is here. Hallelujah. I believe you are. Your presence is the most important thing for God. After all, meeting with God and enjoying his blessing and anointing eventually has to flow out to the world you live in. Isn't it? Yeah. It's not about me and God. It's not, you know, I always say that everything you do in church, you can do in heaven, right? Isn't it? Do you realize that? You can worship forever, the best music and... The angels in fellowship you can do in heaven with more than anyone else. The word of God, the living word is there. Not only preach, you can see the word of God. You know, everything you, can, you do in church, you can do in heaven eternally. Some may not want to go to heaven because if church, heaven is like church, you know. <laughs> it's boring, enduring, right? <laughs> But there's one thing you cannot do is that you cannot impact the, the world once you go up there. And God has left us here on this earth. He wants us to meet him here because there's something we have to do on this earth. We can bring that change. And so I believe the first thing I want to say, your, your, your presence your meeting with God and his presence is important, but at the same time, your presence in the world, before the master of this world, the God of this world, the evil, the principalities and the rulers, God wants you to stand and say, Elijah is here. Put your name there and say, I am here. <laughs> That's what matters. Hallelujah. That's why we want to meet with him here. That's why we want to meet with him there. Why was Elijah important? If you, in previous chapter 17, verse 1, he stood before the king and he said, Elisha, the Tishbite, the first time this name comes out in the Bible, Elisha, the Tishbite, it says 17:1, of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be no dew nor rain, for these years, except at my word, my word. I want you to know as a, a child of God, as a son and a daughter of God, your word is important. The whole nation's destiny depended on one man's word. He said, there will be no rain except for my word. I wonder whether when it comes to your words, are, are they accidental? Or are they intentional? I made a decision many years ago that this mouth I have, my mouth, is the most important instrument that God has given me. And I refuse to speak anything that anyone else says. I refuse to be 
a spokesman for the media, the bad news, the political news, and all the negative things. I choose to be my word. According to my word, Paul, God says, Elisha. Just imagine that story, you know, after he speaks that, it, it affects him as well. He has no food to eat, there's no water, <laughs> and God sends him to a, 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 a stream, I think, and there he feeds him, and then after a while, because he had to preserve the man of God, because if Elijah died, there won't be rain forever. <laughs> Do you realize that? He didn't say this is God's word, he says, my word. Pastor, leader, I want you to realize how powerful your words are. Amen. When you speak what God speaks to you, you never know what happens. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe this morning, some of the words we have spoken, we have to take it out back because, you know, we spoke out of reaction. We spoke out of... You know, anger maybe, hurt, bitterness. I try as much as possible to speak with my mouth the word of God as much as possible. Every morning when I get up, you know, when I went to school, I was very bad in studying. I couldn't remember. When I go to the exam, suddenly I will go crazy. You know, I forget everything I studied. I study for hours and hours, but... When you come to a challenge of an exam, I couldn't. And so, so I failed a lot. But somebody, when I was in ministry, challenged me and said, I want you to memorize the book of Ephesians. I said, book of Ephesians? I know Psalm 23, John 3, 16. <laughs> Right. So one day I was taking somebody to a hospital and, and uh, I was coming back and my car had a crash and my head went and knocked on the roof of uh, the car and then I was, but something went right after that. <laughs> <laughs> so I started memorizing. <laughs> Not really, you know, the Holy Spirit helped me. I began, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to all the saints who are in Ephesus. Grace and peace be to you. One scripture, second scripture. And I chose every day to re-speak God's word from my mouth. Amen. I did memorize the whole book. Then God said, memorize the book of Philippians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. I believe if you speak God's word, God will stand. Heaven will stand behind you. You declare your opinions, your ideas, your clever, smart intelligence. You have to stand behind it by your own strength. But when you speak God's word according to the word of the Lord. Amen. In my country, we had a lot of persecution. As you know, you know, this Buddhist country. And one of the things that, you know, as a leader, every day, every day I get calls from our pastors. Pastor, we have been attacked, you know. We have been arrested, and I've gone to police station so many times to get our pastors out uh, because the rules are, government rules are against us, and they, they, the law is, doesn't work for us. And, and most of them get very frustrated when persecution happens, and they complain. 
And they always ask me, don't you know the top police officials? Can't you call them and get us out from this trouble? And I was so tired of it. I said, God, they're asking me to get them out. I, I don't know. I don't have any help. But the Lord said, you look to me. You take my word. And the Lord asked me one question. The early church went through persecution. And what should be the attitude you have when you go through persecution? What, what, what attitude, the Bible says? Blessed are you when you are persecuted, when people speak all kinds of things against you. And then he said, rejoice and be glad, exceedingly glad. <laughs> So I said, Lord, I don't have that joy. I, I'm, every day these guys are calling me. And, and the Lord said, you go to the book of Philippians. That's a book about joy. So that's how I started to memorize. So every morning I get up in the morning. Before any call comes, I would say, Paul and Timothy, born servants of Jesus Christ, to the church in Philippi, being confident of this one thing, he who began the good work in you, will also complete it until the day of Christ. And he said, brethren, I want you to know the things that happened to me eventually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that even the palace guard and the rest knows in the palace of Caesar that my chains are for the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I began to speak the word, the joy comes. Hallelujah. And the only source of strength for any Christian is joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Not hard work. Not hard work. Not praying hard. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I just want to encourage you because I know you don't have the same context. But we are under the same spirit. The master of this world. Spirit of Ahab, Jezebel. We are under that, but God is saying to you, go tell the master, Elijah is here. Amen? Yes. Elijah is here. It's your presence that will make a difference. Never give excuses. I've been given excuses for a long time, but God says, it's time to give a reason why you exist. Not, ex not excuses. Amen. God has sent you to a town or a city or a village. You stand there. Whenever, when I joined the Assemblies of God when I was young, we had only about 17 churches in our country. And I had the passion to see that we want to see more in every city, every town. And so I used to ride a motorbike. I would go around and I would stop in certain cities. And I would get off on the bike, and I would walk up and down, and I'd say, Michael is here. <laughs> Amen? Because Jesus said, everywhere you go, you go and say, the kingdom has come. Amen? And I can tell you many, many stories, how we grew up to 500 churches. God used many, many leaders. But one of the things God said to me is, your presence is my kingdom. Wherever you stand, and I walked so many towns and cities and where no church, sure enough, years later, because we declare our presence. Amen. We are not victims. We are victorious in Christ. Amen. Amen. Number two is that our presence influences heaven and earth. We not only have 
influence on earth, but we also have influence on heaven. There was an Italian army general in the, during the First World War, I think. After that, he wrote in 1921, he said, he who controls the air controls everything. He said that in 1921, when they were just starting using uh, fighter planes. But today, 100 years later, we know if you study history of whoever has air superiority always have victory always have control. In this story we find that although Ahab and Jezebel controlled the earth, Elijah had influence, he had the power, he had control over the realm of what's happening in the heavens. I know as a pastor in a country like this, you may not have much control of what's happening on the earth. You may not have power of legislation to stop, some of the evil may not have the power enough to protest, not enough votes to change, social change or political change. But I want you to know as a man of, or a woman of God that you have control over the heavens. And I want to tell you whoever controls the heavens controls everything. And that's why Elisha said, I'm here. Because I'm about to bring change. The very heavens that were shut because of God's judgment. Now the heavens are going to open again. I believe we are living at the most exciting time in history. I wrote a book actually. I, it's all sold out so I don't have any copies. But I, I wrote about the end. We are, this generation is the, a generation that will finish the task of Jesus Christ on earth. 2,000 years ago, he gave his disciples, the 12 disciples, we heard today from Pastor Richard and yesterday, the commission, he gave it to the doubting even the weak. He gave that commission because he had no second plan, no plan B, only the church to take the gospel to every nation. Hallelujah. But I believe we also have authority over the heavens. We are going to see the heavens open again. The rain's coming down again. Revival. We are born for revival. Amen. Not survival. <laughs> I know we have been surviving all these years. But God says, now the heavens are going to open. And you are the ones who are going to stand and speak to the heavens. For too long, the church has been trying to adjust. Change things, what's happening around on the earth. But I believe God has called you in your city, in your town. You are the one in charge of heavens. Amen? Amen. 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 You don't need to have an airport and all the uh, airlines. But you are the ones who are in control. As, as this morning we just read, Pastor Richard said, that God has chosen the church, he says. In Ephesians chapter 3, he says, to show to the principalities and powers in the heavenlies the manifold wisdom of God. Your church might be having a lot of problems and mess. But I want to tell you, God is saying to the heavenlies, look at the church. Look at the church with all the weaknesses and the failures and the division and the strife and the problems. That is my answer to this world. Hallelujah. The church. Jesus Christ is proud of his bride. He's not hiding from his bride. Hallelujah. Maybe you are feeling discouraged because of what's happening in your church. I know uh, 
when I was in Bible school, my leader told me, he said, do you want to have a perfect church? <laughs> he said, do you want? He said, okay, invite me. I'll bring a shotgun and come. <laughs> and I shoot everybody down, then you'll have a perfect church. Because as long as human beings are there, you know, the old saying, you know, less people, less problems, more people, more problems, no people. <laughs> no problems. But listen, you are on display to the realms of the heavenlies. You control the heavens. Hallelujah. And that's what it says here. Ahab, in verse 42 of chapter 18. So, you know, the power confrontation between Baal's prophets and, you know, the Mount Carmel. You know, I don't want to go there. The fire came down. I believe the time has come for the fire to come down. But fire alone is not going to solve the problems of the world because still the city, the nation is in a drought. Yes, the fire came. They worshipped. They killed the prophets of Baal. But now they have to open heavens again. And so it says in verse 42, so Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel. Now this confrontation happened somewhere in the Mount Carmel, but not on the top. I believe God has brought you to this conference. You have had confrontations and you have had victories. You know that God is a God of fire, but God is saying now it's time for you to go to the top of Mount Carmel. And that's where he says, I want you to meet me there. Meet me there. Because from there is a place I'm going to see and release the greatest final revival. Hallelujah. God is calling you to go to the top of Mount Carmel. Not just where the victory was beyond that. The great leaders of God always went to the mountain, isn't it? Abraham was asked to go, go, he said, take your love, beloved son, and go to the place. And it was a mount, Moriah. Moses had to climb the mountain. This morning we read how Jesus climbed the mountain. If you are a leader, I want to tell you, climbing mountains is not easy. I hate my climbing mountains. I like to walk along the beach because it's flat. <laughs> I live close to the beach for many years, so I love walking. Climbing the mountains. And they say always when you climb, the tendency is always to come down, then to go up. Isn't it? Isn't it? But Elijah, Elijah went up to the mount. I, I believe God is calling you to a, a, a new level of walking with God. Amen. And God is saying, meet me here, up there. Yeah, he'll come down and meet you. He can meet you anywhere. But he said, you come up. You come up. In Revelation, uh, sorry, in Revelation chapter 4, 1, it says, After this I looked, and before me was an open door standing in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me said, Come up here, and I will show you. Come up here. And then he says, Immediately I was in the Spirit. Hallelujah. I really believe that God is calling the church to come to a place where we, the unseen 
controls the scene. Amen. I really want you to know that the unseen is what controls. Unseen is always before the scene. And if you as a leader or a pastor or a worker or the minister of the gospel, if you are, if you are not convinced of that, your life will be totally controlled by what's happening day to day, the news and the views and social media. I mean, we are bombarded with. And, and as Pastor Richard said this morning, you know, I find it very difficult to get up in the morning and not look at the messages, the phone, isn't it? Isn't it? We are so used, we are so moved by what's seen. But I say, I believe that, you know, John, when he was writing, he was in the island of Patmos. He was, a, he was, a, he was exiled, he was a prisoner. What he looked around was, I mean, an island. <laughs> but then he saw open heaven. He saw a door open in heaven. And as soon as he saw the Spirit say, come up, come up here, come here and meet with me. And you know what the first thing he saw when he went up there? He says he saw the throne of God. Hallelujah. I believe it's time to see that God is still ruling the throne in heaven. There's no democracy in heaven. Amen. There's no change of government. God is still on the throne. Yes, this poor Weak old man, John, the beloved, the prisoner of the Lord. Suddenly, he rises up and he says, I have influence in heaven. Hallelujah. You, you have. We, we call these days now people in high places, right? Isn't it? <laughs> you know, it's not, they say in our country, it's not what you know, it's who you know that matters, right? If you want to get anything done, there'll be somebody there, okay. But we have friends in high places, amen? <laughs> we have open heaven. And this morning I pray that as you listen to the word of God, that you will see the unseen controlling. Unseen controlling the scene. You know, I, I believe today one of the challenges we as Christians have is prayer. You know, I really believe that one of the roles I have right now is to mobilize prayer for missions, global missions, finishing the task. And um, my, my goal is to raise five million intercessors for missions. Not for anything else, not for heartaches, stomachaches, and headaches. You know, I mean, I live in the U.S. I mean, they have this, all these gimmicks, and they say, oh, send your prayer request. They have a stack of prayer requests, you know, and they lay hands. And, and, and all kinds of needs. But you know, God only asks for to pray. I, I always ask people, do you have God's prayer request there? Does God have requests? Does God have prayer requests? Hmm? I saw one guy about four thousand, four piles of thousand requests. He said, I'm praying, God is going to answer all your prayers because I'm praying all this. You know, God only asks for two things to pray. Number one, in, 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 this is God's prayer request. If you, if you have a prayer, prayer request in your church, put this down on top, okay? Psalm chapter 2, verse 8. What do you say? Ask of me nations and the uttermost parts of the earth as your possessions. God's orders are very high. 
Ask of me nations, the people groups in the world. Ask of me nations. Hallelujah. Have you ever asked for nations? Have you? Every morning I pray for one nation in the world. 365 days I ask for one nation every day, every morning. Because that's God's prayer request. He says, ask of me nations. And then the ends of the earth as your possession. Hallelujah. I don't own any inches of ground on this earth, but I possess the ends of the earth. Because that's God's plan for the world. To the uttermost parts of the earth, the gospel must be preached. Hallelujah. And the second prayer request is what Jesus said. He said, the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Ask for one million dollars. <laughs> Did he say that? Ask for the latest technology. Ask for the biggest Bible school, training center, the biggest printing press. I would ask the largest airline because I want to travel the world to give the gospel. He said, pray to the Lord of the harvest. The laborers are few. Pray. He will send forth laborers. I'm here actually to enroll or recruit people, laborers. Hallelujah. Because when you pray... God will always answer your prayer, and you become the answer to your own prayer. <laughs> and that's what happened to me. I was a pastor for 40 years, more than 45 years, and I prayed so much for all the aches and the pains and the needs and the heartaches. And... But God said, have you begun to pray for my need, my heart for the nations, my heart for the harvest, the lost Still hurts me, God says. Are you, are you concerned with the lost? Or are you comfortable with the society or the found, we call it? God wants us to pray. And we can make that prayer when we begin to ch make changes in the heavenlies. So Elijah, Elijah went up to the mountain and then he did something, he says. He put his legs down and he began to pray. He made intercessory prayer. And then, then it says that he told his servants, go out and see. In verse, uh, verse 43, uh, he said, go and look towards the sea. And he went and looked and said, there's nothing there. I want you to know that there are enough people to say there's nothing there. Amen? There's nothing there. There's nothing for the church out there. There's nothing for the Christians out there. But Elijah said, keep going. Seven times he sent his servant, keep going. I believe the more we look, the more we are going to see. Don't just dismiss the reality of the Spirit just because you cannot see once. Seven times. Hallelujah. Keep looking, keep looking. And then he said, seven times the servant returned. In verse 44, I see a cloud, small as a hand, rising above the sea. And the Bible says that that was the beginning of the great rain that came. I believe we are living at a time God is about to send this greatest rain ever seen. Amen. The greatest harvest ever seen. You may ask, why did I choose this man? Because in the book of James chapter 5, verse 16, 
He says, confess your faults or trespasses one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. And then he says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails. Elijah was a man with such passion or nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that there would be rain. It happened. And, and then later he said he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth produced fruit. I believe we are in that season now. For 2,000 years, the, how, the, the seed had been sown for years and years. But I believe now the rain is about to come. Hallelujah. But he's looking for people like Elijah, you, to stand up and say, I'm here. Hallelujah. He who controls the heavens, air controls everything. I believe you are one of those people. You can move heaven. Hallelujah. <laughs> you can agree with God. Speak over nations, over kingdoms. And declare the greatest harvest ever to be seen. I, I dream every day that I live for this. Amen. I don't want to live long life. I want to live for revival only. Amen. Only for revival. I want to see in our times. And in this conference, I just want to challenge you and the generation to come. That we will be the ones who will see the greatest reign, greatest revival. Hallelujah. It's not just, a, just another idea. It's, it's God's plan. God's plan. Hallelujah. God wants you, you to be a person who represents open skies. Open skies, open heaven. When the Ukraine war started, Zelensky, the president, he went before European Union and all the nations, and he had only one appeal. He said, please close the skies. <laughs> Give us enough air cover. And all the Western nations refused. They say, if you do that, if you send jets and planes, you know, if you don't give them, if you give them air cover, there'll be the third world war. So, so today the war continued. Why? They did not give enough cover in the air. But today we have authority to open the skies. Hallelujah. For revival to come. You, your prayer. And there are two things I believe why people don't pray. Why they don't pray. One thing is they have a misunderstanding of God's sovereignty. They say God is sovereign. He'll do what he wants, right? He'll do what he wants. So why pray? Right? I always say, it's like my wife always says, we have a discussion and everything. In the end, I do what I want, right? <laughs> we think that God is like that. Yes, we tell everything. He will do everything what he wants. So why pray anywhere? But God's sovereignty and also our human participation is important that God created us with the image of God. When it comes to this earth, that God wants us. He's looking for Elijah. Elijah. Because God could have easily sent the rain, but he wanted a man to stand there. Amen. I am here. And that's why rain came here. And then second thing is we also, we also misunderstand that God, we say God doesn't change. So even if I pray, nothing will happen, right? No, God does change. He doesn't change in his character. But we are seen in the Bible over and over again as an answer to prayer. God changes the course of history. 
The word says God relents or he repents the other word actually in the Old Testament. When, he, when Moses, God said, I'm going to destroy these people. And God, he prayed. He interceded and God relented. He changed God's mind. Hmm? Not God's character. Not God's holiness. But what God was going to do, they were, he was able to change through intercession. We heard this morning the biggest prayer Jesus prayed. That was not answered, but he prayed that. <laughs> Because God was about to bring change. And Jesus said, I give in to that what you want to do. Hallelujah. Jesus could have easily stopped that and said, my will be done. Isn't it? You won't be here today. But God wants, is looking for people to open heavens, open the skies, to send the rains. Hallelujah. In Zechariah 10, 1 says, ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds and he will give them showers of rain, grass in the field forevermore. Yes, I believe God is calling us today. As I said, this was to be my last sermon, but God asked me to speak this first because everything you're going to see from now onwards is in this context that we are going to stand at this time. We're not going to run away. We're not going to hide. Yes, we will have our own failures and weaknesses, but still we'll stand. That's why in chapter 19, we see the other side of Elijah, right? He became suicidal. Have you got suicidal? I have many times. Not because of my, my because of my church. <laughs> the people. Sometimes I didn't want to stand and preach on Sundays. It feels suicidal. Like Elijah, he said, Lord, take me away. It's better for me to die. He says, others are better than me. I'm no better than anyone else. He got into the game of comparing and he got depressed, suicidal. And, and he says, you know, I'm no better. Now, we all go through that, isn't it? We go on Monday only. We go through all that. Is that right? Is that right? On Mondays? All the pastors go through this uh, Elijah cave syndrome. <laughs> Still, that's why it, it, it comes after 18, 19. After all the victory, reign. Still God said, hey, he's still a human man, human being. And in, then in James, they say he had the same feelings, same passion, same temptations that you and I go. But still God works through you. He never works through you because you're perfect. Amen. That all glory will come to him. And this morning, so you may, I know there are a few people here who have felt so insignificant in your context. And you look what's around. But I want you to know you are the only one who has keys to the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Amen. I always tell, you know, I, 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 in, in Sri Lanka, I used to walk on front of the president's house and, 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 and the parliament. I always say, I'm here. I'm more important than the president. I'm more important than the cabinet. I'm more important than the parliament. Amen? If you're not convinced of that, be a politician. Why are you in the ministry? You have authority. Behold, I give to you the keys. Keys are very small things. Now, of course, we have cards, you know, isn't it? 
I had the keys to my room, the card. It's a very small thing. It opens up. God has given you small things which are going to open up great heavens. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to pray for this brother and sister. I want you to stand for a moment. Yeah, yeah, both of you. Don't look behind you. You're the ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah, both of you. Yeah, yeah. You're surprised? You never expected this, isn't it? You think you are just another person, you know, in the conference. Amen. You know, your presence, your feet are the most powerful. The beautiful things in your whole body is your feet, not your face, okay? So I know you work a lot on your faces. But the Bible says how beautiful are the feet of those who receive, bring good news. You are the beautiful feet on the mountains. And, and your presence, wherever you go, you know, God, God has taken you some difficult experiences, you know, and you are looking back and thinking, why did I have to go through that? Just want to tell you, your feet are more powerful than your head. And what you go through in life, God's going to use you. I mean, God called Joshua when he was about to face the big, big, big uh, Jericho. You know, he crossed the Jordan. He took a decision never to turn back. But now he's in a dilemma. He has a wall in front. He can't go back because of the river. And that's what you feel right now. You are taking a decision to do something for God. But right now, ahead of you are the giants and the world, but God is saying that's where your destiny is. And he says, as he was looking at that Jericho, it was shut. Nobody went in, nobody came out. The Bible says the angel of the Lord came and said, take your shoes off. Hallelujah. I believe in this conference you are going to get a boldness that you have never seen before. That the angel of the Lord, more are with you who are with us than more than them. And the walls ahead of you, the challenges, are nothing in comparison to the victories God is going to give you. Amen. Just lift your hands. I just want to pray for the anointing to come on you right now. Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's the anointing of God. That's open heaven coming to you right now as it happened in the day of Pentecost. Lord, I just release... I release them, Lord. I release them from their own natural inhibitions, controls, limitations. I release them from that. They are not, they do not belong to their native or even their natural reality, but they belong to a spiritual reality. The unseen controls the seen. I just pray that we open their eyes to see that power and the anointing that dwells in them. Unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power that works in us, Father, I pray that the power will begin to work in them now. And they will pray bold prayers. They will speak bold prayers, Father, from now onwards. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 They say, you have breakfast for giants for breakfast, okay? <laughs> Leaders have giants for breakfast. They, you look for giants because others look for grasshoppers. Don't look for grasshoppers. You look for giants. That's where you're going to see your destiny in life. Amen? Amen.
You have a beautiful smile. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You'll be seated. When I was in Bible school, I went to Bible school in New Zealand. I, I was the only dark person. They used to all, I had to keep smiling because they wouldn't see me otherwise. <laughs> I went to Bible school with Elio, the pastor who was here. We grew up together. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I just want you to know, just tell yourself, I'm here. That's, uh, don't give any more excuses. I wish I wasn't there. I wish I was there somewhere else. I wish, this lady, I just want to tell you, that's the second one on the left. Yeah, yeah, you're the one, yeah, yeah. Just stand up for a moment. No, there's an anointing that gives a, a sense of boldness to say no to the enemy. You don't have to fight, but just speak the word, no. The enemy has made many claims. He came to Peter and said, you know, Jesus said, I want this guy, Peter. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan desired you. But I have prayed that your faith will not fail. And sometimes you felt that, you know, the enemy is so strong against you. That, that's because God has a greater plan than the devil. Amen. And so there have been some experiences and even, I don't know, maybe physical sickness areas that you felt that it threatened your future, what you got, God has for you in the future. But remember, Jesus prayed for you. The longest ministry Jesus has is not the cross. It's not the ministry of feeding the 5,000. It says he ever lives to make intercession for us. Do you know that, what he means? He did not finish and go away, but he ever lives. For one thing, he lives forever, and that is to make intercession for us, just like he did for Peter. Amen. He's praying for you. I know we are finding difficult to pray to him, but he's praying for you. He's making intercession for you. Just lift your hands. Holy Spirit, I release her to a place that she becomes herself an intercessor who can stand before cities like Abraham stood before Gomorrah and Sodom. Lord, I just pray you release her into that sense of boldness and courage that the devil wants her because she, he's, she's valuable to you, Lord. And we know the devil has no right over her life. I come against every lie of the devil. In the name of Jesus, I break it now. I break that lie in the name of Jesus. She is the beloved of the Lord. This is my beloved in whom I am well pleased. Lord, I speak over that right now. Yeah, that's, that's your anointing coming on. Just, re just receive it. It's going to flow through you. Flow through you like the fire. Like the fire of God burning from inside. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just want to pray for this brother and sister also in right in front. Yeah. You have a rugby shirt? Is it rugby shirt? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Joseph had a multicolored garment. You have only two colors. That's the method. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, I... I have, I'm a family of eight children. I'm the youngest, so my parents didn't have enough money to buy enough clothes, so I had to grow up to my, elders, my elder brother's clothing, right? So my mother would keep those things in a, in a cupboard, and when I grew up, I used to wear them. 
And uh, so I always thought uh, God had nothing unique for me, you know, somebody else. I always looked to somebody else's, fit into somebody else's. That mentality even came in my ministry. And so I should look at other preachers and think, well, I'd like to be like that. But I never realized I'm unique. Amen. And that's what God wants you to know, that you don't have to fit into somebody else's size or somebody else's. Be yourself. The anointing will flow powerfully. You just be yourself. I know you're going to meetings and you want to be used like Benny Hinn or somebody like that. You know what I mean? I had done that. I never got the anointing because God said, I'm not going to give Benny Hinn's anointing to you. I'm going to give you Michael's anointing. And be yourself. And so in ministry, we are so much challenged to, you know, to be somebody else. And um, I always look at my thumb, you know, thumbprints. When I came to Australia, they just asked me to put the thumb. They didn't look at my face, they said thumbprint. But there, there's no one unique, eight billion people, and there's no one who has these thumbprints. So every time you just look at your hands, say, thank you, Lord. Just worship like this, but also worship like this. And say, Lord, I am unique. I want to be what you want. Amen. And th that's the time the anointing will flow. You, you will see so much freedom. Right? That you don't have to perform anymore like somebody else, but just anointing will just flow through you. Amen. Just lift your hands. Holy Spirit, in this popular culture where everybody wants us to fit in to be somebody else, Lord, I make this man and woman different, unique, significant for you, Lord. I release your anointing over their lives right now. Holy Spirit, yes. I also feel they have been crushed by others, people who have spoken words and said, you are not good enough. And you, you, the words have been spoken that has uh, gone deep into your spirit. But this morning, the Holy Spirit is bringing healing that you are special right now. Not when you perform, not when you do something. When Jesus was, you know, before his ministry, he was the witness came from heaven. You are my beloved son. Before he did any ministry, the word came, you are now beloved. And God wants you to know that because he's going to use you because you are the beloved. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Amen. 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 I just want to sing a song I love to sing. Uh, I don't know whether you all sing it. Uh, from you all are things, to you all things all be glory. You are worthy of it all. You sing that? You are worthy of it all. Uh, actually, that's from the book of Romans chapter 10, the last verse. Paul says, from him are all things, through him are all things, to him are all things, to God be the glory. And that's what your life story is about. From him, Elijah, Elijah didn't just appear, God sent him. You are here from God. Through him are all things. What's happening is doing through your life. And then to him, everything is to him. To God be the glory. Will you be that person and say, Lord, I'm not from somebody else. I did not come from my parents. I came through them, but not from them. Amen. I used to think always, I came from my, no, I didn't come from my, I came through them. God used them. But I came from God. From him. Through him. To him. All things. To God be the glory. Amen. Shall we stand and sing that? And let the Holy Spirit begin to do that in your life this morning. From him, through him.
you sing that? Okay. <laughs> 